1: Hello and welcome to the Karma You podcast. This is your host Chloe Brotheridge. I'm a coach, a hypnotherapist and I'm the author of The Anxiety Solution and Brave New Girl and this podcast is all about helping you to become your calmest, happiest and most confident self. Hello, hello, hope you're well today. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm going to be talking to you about how to have better work-life balance today. It's this golden question, something that we all want, and it can just seem so out of our grasp and so elusive sometimes. So I'm going to talk about this. I'm going to share eight things you can do to have more work-life balance and share some, hopefully, things that maybe will shift your mindset around this as well. If you are struggling with work stress, I don't know if you've seen it already, but I have made a free resource for work stress. It's my work stress breakthrough guide. There's a workbook and a video where I'm coaching you through some coaching questions to help you to get clarity on what's holding you back at work and the most important steps that you can take to feel more calm and in control when it comes to your work stress. So you can download that free resource at com forward/stress, and I will send that over to you to your email inbox right away. So let's just get straight into this conversation about work-life balance. We live in a world where we're supposed to have it all, and there's this sense that not only do we need to be doing things, doing things perfectly, balancing so many things, having so many spinning plates up in the air at once, but we're supposed to do it whilst feeling super calm and with a smile on our faces as well. And yeah, it's a massive juggle. And I honestly don't know anyone who doesn't slightly struggle with this. And so I guess the first important thing to say about work-life balance is please do not compare yourself to other people who you may assume have all their stuff figured out, who are you know, doing things perfectly and never struggling because I have never met a person really who is not struggling in some way to balance things and with the juggle of life. And so do not assume that other people have all their shit together and it's only you that is struggling because everyone is struggling with something. And chances are people are not necessarily sharing about their struggles. You know, even your friends, you know, we're not always so willing, even with our close friends, to talk about those day-to-day struggles that we have with balancing things. And so, yeah, please don't compare yourself to other people. Everyone is, I think, struggling in some way or another with this. Now, I don't know who said this, but someone wise once said that part of being balanced is actually falling out of balance. And instead of thinking that we have to have this life this work life, this home life, whatever it may be, the juggle between the two that is perfectly balanced at all times, recognising that there's going to be periods of imbalance. And it's only through experiencing those periods of imbalance that we are able to to get back into balance. Second thing that I want to say about this is about boundaries. And I know there's so much talk about boundaries and you may have thought about this and considered how your boundaries are, extensively already maybe something that you're struggling with I think that again if you're on the anxious side if you are a people pleaser if you struggle with your confidence you know struggling with boundaries very often goes hand in hand with that and if you're struggling with work-life balance chances are and I'm not saying this is the case for everyone but chances are it may be that there are some boundaries that need to be set in order to support you in being more in balance in your life. And of course, there are so many situations where, I don't know, I get kind of, (laughs) it can be really oversimplified, I think, when we see like memes on Instagram talking about just set boundaries and say no, when, you know, the reality of your life may be that you are a carer, where you've got young kids, or that you're the breadwinner in your family. And Saying no at work doesn't feel like an option for you. So, I really don't want to minimize any of those very real things that may be going on and that may be outside of your control. And yet, I think it's so important for us to look at our boundaries and examine this area of our lives because it is such a common thing that we struggle with. And so, you know, I've done episodes about boundaries before. You can scroll back through the podcast and you will find several conversations with guests or solo episodes where I'm talking about boundaries quite a bit. But I guess it's just to, to say that if we think about the reason that we're saying yes to things and if that's coming from fear about what other people might think, if that's coming from an anxiety about not being able to say no because we're, we're worried about letting other people down, if saying yes to things is costing us something in terms of our mental health and our mental well being, it really makes sense to consider whether we're really doing anyone any favors by saying yes to things, because it comes back to remembering that you are able to be at your best when you are in a good place. You're able to be the best employee, manager, parent, carer. If you are able to meet your own needs and be in a good place mentally and emotionally, and you know the ancient saying, the overused saying, "You can't pour from an empty cup," and so inviting you just to think about other things that actually you need to say no to, other things that you need to take off your plate, are there things that you need to, you know, difficult conversations that you need to have with people about? your workload or the expectations that other people have on you because yeah if you're burning out and miserable you're not going to be able to help people and be of service and be good at your job and be a good parent all those things that are important to you. I'm going to talk about these eight simple steps and simple doesn't necessarily always mean easy but I've tried to make them simple. It can take courage to do these things, it can take Effort and willpower, obviously, but hopefully, they are simple things that you can do to create more work life balance. So, number one is to work smarter, not harder. So, have you ever heard of this concept of the 80 20 rule? It's a concept that we often talk about in business, but it's actually a phenomenon that is found in every facet of life. So the 80-20 rule says that 20% of apple trees produce 80% of the apples. And this is something that has been observed in nature. 20% of your clients create 80% of your income, if you have clients or in a business. 20% of the activities that you do in your work, whatever your work may be, create 80% of your results. And we see this pattern of 80-20 throughout all facets of life. And so I invite you to think about what are those 20% of things that you do that create 80% of your results? So that might be (laughs) thinking about the work that you do that has the most leverage, the work that you do that has the most impact. And it might also be thinking about the things that you do there is like busy work. So not necessarily actually leading to you getting results. And that might be, you know, the thing that I'm thinking about the most is meetings. You know, there are a massive amount of meetings that we can get invited to that are basically a waste of time that don't need us to be there. Kind of unstructured meetings that go on and on and on with little uh, agenda or real purpose, it seems. And so, yeah asking you to think about how you can work smarter and not harder. Can you minimize the things that are actually in that 80% of things that you do that are not leading to the biggest results in in your work? Another thing around working smarter and not harder is to minimize distractions. So we waste a huge amount of time getting distracted. Every time you get distracted, It takes several minutes for you to get back onto tasks and get back focused on the thing that you want to be doing. And I am, yeah, I'm talking to you as someone who is very prone to getting distracted, to picking up my phone (laughs) and looking at Instagram or getting distracted by news sites. And so, one thing that I've done recently is I have used on the iPhone, if you have an iPhone, apparently 70% of us have iPhones. There's something called screen time that enables you to block certain websites from your phone. And i blocked all news sites. And honestly, like that just gave me back so much more time in the day because I was much less likely to just absent mindedly be scrolling, reading the news multiple times a day. I still keep up with current affairs on my laptop and can keep up with the news, but I don't need to be constantly on my phone looking at news. I also... You've heard me say this a thousand times if you listen to this podcast a lot, but I also delete the Instagram app every single day and then reinstall it, do my stories, reply to things and then delete it again. And again, that has saved me so much time. So is there a way that you can minimise distractions in your life? Another thing that I've been doing is there's an app called Freedom. I think I pay about a five or a month subscription for this. There may well be free versions available of this type of thing, but Freedom allows you to block on your laptop or computer websites and distractions and apps. And that's just been a big help as well. If you're someone like me that gets distracted and absentmindedly clicks onto things, that's been a massive help. So how can you minimize those distractions? Yeah, for you, it might be like putting your phone in a drawer. It might be going and sitting in another room. It might be taking yourself to a coffee shop so that you can focus on your work in a more focused way, and then hopefully have more time to focus on your life and those moments of downtime. So number two is to take proper breaks at work. There have been studies, (laughs) many studies, you can Google it, but there's a lot of evidence to say that those that take breaks are more productive than those that try to push through. And there can be many reasons for this. Perhaps it's got to do with having a reward. Perhaps it's got to do with the fact that our brains function a lot better when we are well rested. We can focus more easily. When we're calmer, our brains function better. Our memory works better. The frontal cortex gets more blood flow when we're stressed. A lot of blood flow actually goes away from the rational part of your brain towards the amygdala, which is in the middle of your brain, putting you in that fight or flight response. Which actually makes you less able to make decisions, less able to think rationally and clearly and focus and concentrate. If you're ever wondering why, when you're stressed or overwhelmed, it's hard to focus, that's part of the reason. So, I really want to encourage you to take a break at work. And I know what it's like (laughs) when you've got so much to do and you just think to yourself, I'm just going to get my head down and power through this. I can sleep when I'm dead or you know I'll have a break at the end of the day but actually having some kind of structured break is going to help you so much more in the long term than pushing through so how can you hold yourself accountable to actually taking a break whether that is you know some of the other things like I'll set a timer on my phone every hour to get up and stretch and make a drink and go and do some I don't know like some yoga in my front room it could be that you actually pop something into your calendar So a couple of times a day, you schedule in a walk or, you know, stepping away from your desk and doing something different, calling a friend, watching a funny video on YouTube, something that, yeah, gets you away from work and gives your brain a break. So this episode is sponsored by the High Functioning Anxiety Hypnotherapy Pack. And this is a hypnotherapy pack which is suitable for you, whether you have General anxiety, high functioning anxiety, or you're stressed and would like to be more calm and present. So perhaps for you, it might be that things on the outside are fine. You've got a good job, you've got a loving family, you've got some great friends, but inside you are a hot mess of anxiety. It doesn't matter what you achieve, you never feel good enough. You wake up at 5 a.m. with a racing heart and a sense of dread in your stomach about the day ahead. You second-guess yourself and waste a ton of time and energy overthinking, and you often feel as though you're failing and strive for perfection to the point of burning out. The thing that most people don't realise about anxiety is that it's an automatic unconscious process. No one decides to feel anxious. Your unconscious mind dictates how you think, feel, and respond to the world around you. Your unconscious mind really does have a lot to answer for. And we need to address anxiety at the unconscious level. When it comes to overcoming high-functioning anxiety, it really is an inside job because when we change the way we think and respond emotionally and mentally, everything changes. And hypnotherapy enables you to address anxiety at a deeper level and change the repeating patterns that have kept you stuck for so long. In the High-Functioning Anxiety Hypnotherapy Pack, you get four powerful hypnotherapy sessions that help you to stop overthinking and beat overwhelmed, know that you're good enough, take the pressure off yourself, and enjoy the present moment. You can download this hypnotherapy pack and keep it forever. Head over to karma you.com forward slash hypnotherapy hyphen pack, or you'll find that link in the menu of my website. That link again, karma hyphen you.com forward slash hypnotherapy hyphen pack. And I'll put this link in the show notes as well. I hope you love it. Number three is all about, and it's kind of linked to this a little bit, it's about switching off and actually switching off. Something that, again, we're not very good at doing now that things are so 24 7 and we've got emails on our phone and so many of us are working from home. We don't have necessarily those boundaries between work and home and work and life like we used to. And it means that we potentially have to be stricter with switching off and having some kind of structure around that. So think about how you can switch off. That might mean having a policy of not answering work emails or reading work emails at the weekend or after six o'clock. It might be about leaving the office on time every day or at a certain time or if every day feel is not possible for you it might be that every Monday and Wednesday you make a real effort to leave the office at six o'clock if you work from home it might be that you put your laptop in a drawer and close the drawer and actually uh, say to yourself you're not going to be answering emails after the kids have gone to bed switching off again is so important for giving us a break helping us to restore and recharge our batteries. And then we can come back to our work feeling more refreshed and more focused rather than, yeah, constantly kind of stressed and checking our emails in bed and that sort of thing. Number four is to speak up. So this may very well be a difficult one for many of you. If your workload is so demanding that it's actually impossible for you to be able to meet it or is really having an impact on your mental health and your mental state it is really important to speak up and tell someone uh, at work about what you're experiencing or if that's not possible to seek some kind of help to cope with that although if you know I think probably one of the well from people that I've spoken to one of the biggest reasons For struggling with work, is the actual workload can seem very unmanageable or unsustainable. And that may be that it is an internal issue with you feeling like you can't cope or you not feeling capable, doubting yourself, like a crisis of confidence. Or it may just be that the amount of work really is just too much for one person to be handling. And so, if that's the case, then you really do need to speak to someone. And Stress actually costs companies a lot of money. It is the biggest reason that people take time off work for, you know, work-related illnesses. And so that is very costly for companies. It's kind of a horrible way to talk about it, but it's true. And so there is an incentive for companies to take care of people and to help people to manage their stress and their workload. <laughs> Obviously, there's a human element, but you've got kind of thinking about it in terms of how companies think. Actually, they don't want you to go off sick with stress. They they would prefer it if you told them that their workload is unmanageable. So they there is an incentive for them to do that. And hopefully, I don't know what your manager or your yeah the person who you would speak to about this is like, but hopefully they would also as a human being, want to help you to feel supported and yeah, understood at your work as well. Number five is just to think about whether your relaxation time is actually relaxing. So reading the news or watching Stranger Things, which I personally don't watch because I don't like scary things and that would stress me out, (laughs) but actually... Yeah, we've got to consider whether watching something that puts us on edge, makes our heart race, is that the best thing to be doing in our downtime if we're struggling with stress or anxiety? Going to even something as simple as going to a spin class. Now, for you, spinning might actually be relaxing for you, but something that is very high intensity like spinning can actually have quite a stressful effect on the body. And if you are close to burning out and highly stressed, Something like that may not be the best solution for you. However, if spinning is like your life and it does really help you with stress, ignore that completely and carry on, but it's something worth considering. So think about what you're doing on your downtime and ask yourself, is this really relaxing me? Or am I just (laughs) impulsively doing something? Or am I just picking up my phone and going on TikTok? And actually there there could be much more productive uses of our relaxation time that would really help us and nourish us. And I guess one suggestion, and it's basically what I find the most relaxing thing personally, and also, yeah, from working with so many clients, is hypnotherapy. And it's something that you can do on the sofa with your eyes closed. You can lie down in your bed and pop your headphones in and listen to some hypnotherapy recordings. And not only is it one of the most relaxing things that you can do. I've had clients say that it's a bit like having a brain holiday or a massage for your mind, but it also has a long lasting effect because we're getting into this receptive state during hypnotherapy and we're more open to positive suggestions and making changes at that deep subconscious level. And so there are hypnotherapy sessions on my website. If you head over to Karma hyphen you.com forward slash collection. You're going to find a collection of hypnotherapy sessions designed for calm and confidence. And yeah, if you've never tried hypnotherapy, I think you're going to love it. I think you're going to love it. Number six is to consider your priorities. So there's that famous saying, I think it was David Allen, he wrote actually a productivity book, but he said, you can do anything, but not everything. And one of the books that I loved reading recently was Oliver Berkman's book, 4,000 Weeks, which is it's kind of like an anti-productivity book. And in it, he talks a lot about how in order to ha- have a life that is in balance and not be overwhelmed and stressed all the time, it may be that we're going to have to say no, not only to some of the things that we don't want to do, but also to some of the things that we do want to do that would be lovely to do, But actually, we can't do everything. We can't do everything in life. There are infinite, endless things that we may want to do or could do or feel like we have to do. And so we may have to get quite brutal about what we say yes to and what we say no to. So that might mean saying no to a social event that you'd like to go to, but actually it's going to be too much for you to manage or saying no to a project that sounds really exciting, or even dropping down a day a week at work. I know this is not going to be available for everyone, for lots of people, but working four days a week, dropping some of your salary, it is, yeah, it helps so much with (laughs) helping us to feel more in balance and more settled and less stressed. And I really, really hope there's so many different movements and they're doing trials and tests around the world and definitely in England as well, where they're testing the four day work week and finding that people get as much work done, if not more, and are much happier, more productive, have fewer sick days. So I really hope that one day we live in a world where we don't have to work five days a week because, yeah. It's not really sustainable for so many of us. And as a side benefit, which is really fascinating to look into, it's actually a lot better for the environment for us to be working less. And yeah, that's a topic for another episode, but it's good for the planet as well, as well as good for your mental health. Number seven is to look after your self-care basics. So when we're busy, often the first things to go can be the things that help us to cope When we're busy. So, if you normally head to the gym, have walks, or meditate, when you're going through a busy period at work or things are getting intense at home, it can be those small acts of self care that help us to feel sane that are the first things to go, unfortunately. And it might be that you genuinely don't have time for those things, or it might be that it's almost as though we don't feel like we deserve that time for ourselves. And it can come down to this idea that we should be busy and productive all the time. Or, you know, if there are other more important things or other people need us, then we just get put further down the kind of pecking order or the order of priorities. And yet, just to remind you that during times of stress and when things are busy, those are very often the times when we need that self-care the most. And so it can be really, really simple things like making sure that you're eating three meals a day, you're drinking enough water, you've got snacks on hand, you're getting outside every day, even if it's for just five or 10 minutes. So I guess with this, I'm just inviting you to think about what are those self-care basics that help you? And during a time where you feel out of balance, can you bring in some of those things again to help yourself to feel better? And we could also talk about the whole topic of community care over self-care. I think that's probably a topic for another episode, but I know that, you know, you might be listening to this thinking that self-care is just not a possibility for you right now because you have so many other commitments and other people need you, or perhaps you're working multiple jobs, raising kids, caring, that sort of thing. And of course, the bigger issue here is that we need more community care. We need better mental health services and our NHS, our beloved NHS is really struggling right now. And of course, those things need to change. And it's more of a political issue than a personal issue. So I guess what I want to say is that if you think that's what's impacting you, please be kind to yourself about that. Because, yeah, I hope things in our political system are going to change so that we can take care of more people who need to be taken care of, knowing that it's not solely a personal responsibility to take care of ourselves and actually yeah some people need taken care of and we need better systems in place to take care of people so lastly number eight pay yourself first so there's a saying in business to pay yourself first from your business to give yourself a salary and I like to think about this and apply this to Paying ourselves in terms of making time for ourselves first and scheduling in self care and leisure time first, or family time, or whatever it is that goes into the life part of the work life balance. Because work can often take over, and those things that are important to us, whether that is making time to go on dates or have date nights with your partner, whether that is having an early night, whether that is going to a yoga class, to actually pay yourself first. So put that into the diary first. So make the plans and book in the yoga class, schedule things into your diary, do what you can to create some structure around that leisure time and that time for you, because otherwise those things can just fall by the wayside and end up not happening. So we need to kind of have some forethought and try to plan those things in first. So those are my eight ideas, tips, advice, bits of advice for work-life balance. Know that not everyone, in fact, everyone is probably struggling with this and that it's only through getting out of balance that we can bring ourselves back into balance sometimes. So if you find yourself on this kind of seesaw of being out of balance and trying to bring things back, you're so not alone with that. And I hope you find some sense of calm and balance in your life very very soon just as a reminder i've got that free workbook for work stress you can get it at karma hyphen that little dash in the middle you.com forward slash stress and download that and yeah i'm just wishing you all the best sending lots of love and i'll speak to you soon bye You have been listening to the Karma You podcast with me, Chloe Brotheridge. Don't forget you can download loads of freebies for anxiety and confidence at my website, karmau.com. You can also find out about my app and my one-on-one sessions.